Welcome to the Seattle Public Library's podcasts of author readings and library events, a series of readings, performances, lectures, and discussions. Library podcasts are brought to you by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation. To learn more about our programs and podcasts, visit our website at www.spl.org. To learn how you can help the Library Foundation support the Seattle Public Library, go to foundation.spl.org. Good evening, I'm Marcellus Turner, and I'm the City Librarian for the Seattle Public Library. On behalf of the library, Elliott Bay Book Company, and Seattle First Baptist Church, welcome to tonight's event. Thank you for helping us welcome Caroline Kennedy to Seattle. And I should say back to Seattle because she was with us in January for the American Library Association's annual Midwinter Conference. We thank our independent bookstore friends at Elliott Bay for inviting us to co-present this evening, and Seattle First Baptist Church for hosting. Thanks also to the Seattle Times for ongoing generous promotional support for library programs, as well as our office speaker series, Gary Coons. Finally, this event is supported by the Seattle Public Library Foundation. Private gifts to the foundation, small and large, make possible hundreds of free library programs every year. So to the foundation's thousands of donors, including those of you who are with us here tonight, we want to say thank you very much for your support. Now, let me turn things over to Karen Allman to introduce our special guest and to explain a few logistics. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be back here at uh, Seattle First Baptist Church to um, provide the introduction for tonight's program. Um, we are going to actually have quite a few participants, and some of them are on stage with us here this evening. Some student poets, and I'll talk about them more in a moment, and then followed by... Um, a talk and some poetry recitation and reading by our special guest, Caroline Kennedy. One of the reasons why uh, we are presenting this program is because it's officially National Poetry Month. Every April, it's National Poetry Month. Some of you, I'm sure, celebrate, and this is part of our celebration, that we do offer poetry-related um, talks all through the year. So this evening, um, we're going to start with um, some selections from Caroline Kennedy's new book. It's an edited book, a uh, collection of poetry, um, Poems to Learn by Heart, and this is illustrated by a children's book illustrator artist and artist, um, Sean Booth, and um, some of the poets have chosen some poetry to recite from that book, and we also have some original poetry. So for our first group, I'm going to introduce um, the Poetry Club from Sam Slope Elementary in South Seattle. The microphone podium is a challenge. I think everyone here remembers starting an elementary school day with the Pledge of Allegiance. But poet Jen Wong has given us a lovely poem, and Caroline was nice enough to include it in her anthology. So the students are ready. These are on. Are you ready, kids? You might quietly to yourselves recall the Pledge of Allegiance and listen to how creatively poet Janet Wong blended another concept in this poem, which talks about, what does it talk about? We say, I, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, 
the basest sweet outbreaks his dignity. For sweetest things turn sourest by their deeds. Lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds. I'm very proud. <laughs> and I'm so pleased to see so many people out here for a poetry program tonight. Thank you for coming. I don't think Caroline Kennedy had anything else. <laughs> and I'm going to recite for you for the very first time in public. The Snowman by Wallace Stevens. One must have a mind of winter to regard the frost and the boughs of the pine trees crusted with snow, and have been cold a long time to behold the junipers shagged with ice, the spruces rough in the distant glitter of the January sun, and not to think of any misery in the sound of the wind, in the sound of a few leaves, which is the sound of the land, full of the same wind that is blowing in the same bare place for the listener who listens in the snow. And nothing himself beholds nothing that is not there and the nothing that is. Thank you. So for most of us in this audience, Caroline Kennedy really needs no introduction. You may know her more for her work in politics and also for her books on the Bill of Rights, the right to privacy, you may not know that she's also an educational activist and uh, works in an after-school center that offers art programs to middle and high school students in New York. And this is a, a wonderful program because, as you know, I think um, many schools do not have arts programs, and so that we have the beneficiaries of some of the arts programs that are in our city, I think it's, it's really, uh, really extraordinary here. Um, but we in the book world and poetry lovers also know her as an anthologist of, of many wonderful poetry collections, beginning with the best loved poems of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, and then followed by a first collection of poetry edited uh, for children, a family of poems, my favorite poetry for children. And then in 2011, She Walks in Beauty, A Woman's Journey Through Poems, and this is also a wonderful collection. But she's here to speak and read about her new collection, a second collection of poetry for children, Poems to Learn by Heart. And it's a wonderful collection of poets that are very well known and some that are not. Um, some from our area, the first poem that the Stanislaw students read by Janet Wong was written by a poet who lived in this community for many, many years. And so it was wonderful to see a Washington poet in that collection. And it's also wonderful to welcome Caroline Kennedy to Seattle Public Library and the Seattle First Baptist Church. I had the great privilege of visiting their school this afternoon, and so I got a sneak preview of what you just heard. And um, it was even better tonight, and, and I couldn't tell anyone was nervous. You weren't nervous. <laughs> Great job, and um, thank you for sharing with these people because I'm trying to tell people that poetry is fun and it's fun if you do it with your friends. And so now that we saw you, um, you know, definitely believe me. Um, and thank you all for coming, and I'm thrilled to be here uh, in this beautiful sanctuary. And um, 
on behalf and sponsored by the, uh, the public library. It's, it's making me feel very patriotic, actually, because our country was founded on freedom of religion and freedom of thought, and I think that's uh, the two things that we're celebrating here tonight. Libraries really are all about um, the freedom to think and the freedom to dissent, and uh, I think we all know that um, Thomas Jefferson's collection found in the Library of Congress and Benjamin Franklin was on the first Philadelphia Library Company, and that's because they really knew that um, knowledge and education were so critical to our democracy. So it's wonderful to be here continuing in their tradition, and I want to salute all the librarians here, school librarians, public librarians, uh, for the wonderful work you do in uh, giving the gift of knowledge uh, to communities across this country. And I've had the privilege of working in schools in New York City and, um, and was particularly focused on libraries and arts. And um, that's how I ended up here because the incoming president of the ALA is somebody that I admire greatly and she taught me a lot about the role of libraries is really the heart of a school. And it's true for community, whether it's for seniors to go and see their friends or a safe space for kids after school, and now uh, providing all kinds of creative opportunities for kids to work collaboratively um, through technology. So um, so I know you have the most spectacular library anywhere here. So. <laughs> Children. 
Um, they're not as obedient as me, John, so I'm <laughs> not as scared. But anyway, they do, they do come through, and I have, I think it means a lot to them to have, to be able to look through this scrapbook that goes back uh, to something that their grandmother did. And she memorized poems with her grandfather on Wednesday afternoons after school. And, um, and so it was something I think that really was passed down, and I find that poems, if they're passed down in families, which I'm sure people here have the same experience, they really uh, carry with them their little pouches of memories that really uh, transport you, not just through the words and the language of the, the poet is writing about, but through your own life and your own memories. And I think that's really one of the most powerful things about them. But in case this all just sounds too perfect, um, when I was looking through, I went back to look through in that scrapbook when I was putting together the first poetry anthology for kids because I figured that poems that John and I had enjoyed when we were young, other kids would probably like them too. And, um, and I came across a poem that I had completely forgotten about that John chose from Mother's Day one year, which is called Careless Willie. And it goes like this. Careless Willie, with a thirst for gore, nailed his sister to the door. <laughs> Mother cried with humor quaint, careful Willie, don't spoil the paint. <laughs> of course, I was like busy memorizing, you know, the love song of J. Edward Proof Rogers. I was just, you know, handing in this kind of thing. And it just it totally captured our relationship. And, um, <laughs> so hard, and it really brought back memories um, that I wouldn't have even been able to summon up uh, if I looked at a picture. It was just that uh, vivid, and it just made me laugh. Um, and it just really reminded me in a whole different way that poetry is really meant to be shared, and it brings uh, so much joy, and if you kind of learn it and share it, it's still yours, and you still have it, and you have something that you share with someone else. Um, since ancient times, poems have been recited and performed and really used to transmit not only sibling rivalries in our case, but the important values of civilization from one generation to the next. And that was true in our family also. Whenever we went to see my grandmother, um, she would ask us questions about American history and what we were doing and the news and math problems, and um, that was when I tried to avoid, but... Then she would uh, kind of uh, challenge us all to recite the Midnight Ride before a year. And um, no one knew the whole thing, obviously, except Uncle Teddy, who would lead us all in his booming voice and loved doing it. Um, in fact, it's in my earlier anthologies, and, um, and he used to come to the bookstore in Washington, D.C. or Boston and offer to recite the Midnight Ride before a year to anybody who was space. Writing poetry. 
Uh, and I think that they really were able to find their voice and advocate for change in a truly powerful way. And it really showed me that poetry is having a rebirth of relevance. I think people started sharing it after 9-11 in, in a new way. Uh, but I think that for the next generation, uh, using the kind of uh, music and, and language um, that is part of the music is really been incorporated into the poetry, too. In elementary school, I think poetry helps kids listen to each other. It helps them share their experiences and their cultural heritage with their classmates. Uh, and they learn to respect one another through doing that. And in middle and high school, uh, kids are writing about their hopes and dreams and the world around them. I think the arts give kids a reason to want to come to school, uh, and beyond that, to become active and engaged in their community. As parents, as teachers, our job is to raise committed citizens, and writing poems is one way to shine a light on problems and develop the words and the tools to demand change. The challenge is urgent. We face an education crisis in this country. 14% of American adults can't read, and many children feel that school is irrelevant to what is going on in their lives. In addition to the long-term economic and national security aspects of this slow-motion disaster, it's a civil rights issue because students of color drop out at twice the rate of white students, and it's a moral issue because there is nothing more important to a society than how we raise and educate our children. In the olden days, when there were no books or cell phones to look things up in, memorizing information and poetry was necessary for survival. Today, in order for kids to engage with the world of words and ideas, it has to be fun. Reading the great writers can give us an appreciation of excellence that can change our lives. The kids need a way in. And I think poetry can give them that. Poems are short. It's not like being handed a huge chapter book. They're intense. They're emotional. They go right to the heart of the matter. And reciting and memorizing them with friends or family makes them dynamic uh, and engaged. And for kids who need competition to get involved and motivated, poetry slams can be their thing. Practice, teamwork, and victory can all be part of the arts as well as sports. Some people don't think that's a good idea, but I think that as long as kids are um, engaged, I think that that's a good thing. Uh, in putting this book together, I enlisted my own children, who each contributed a favorite. My eldest daughter suggested The Poison Trait by William Blake, which she had meant to memorize in fifth grade. And it's sort of a creepy poem about friendship and um, anger. And I don't know why she, the teacher made her memorize it. But, um, <laughs> Um, my son only writes two poems, um, and one was in the last book, so he gave me the other one, <laughs> which is A Jar by Wallace Stevens. Uh, the other poem is The Red Wheelbarrow by William Carl's Williams, which is, you know, as you all know, probably the shortest poem in <laughs> but a great one. And um, my third child translated a creation myth from Ovid. Uh, which is included here. So I have a full range, and of course they can't stand her. They think she's just the biggest good that it's going. But anyway, I don't care because it's fantastic um, and incredibly beautiful. So I also asked my friends, I asked their children, and I got wonderful responses ranging from Archilocos from a, one of my godchildren to the creation of Sam McGee from an education reformer 
in New York. Um, and a lot of special memories came with them. Everybody had a story about these poems that they, that they grew up with and meant something special to them. Um, and so then I decided that I needed some more help um, and, and other insights. And so I enlisted th three students from the po after school poetry program that I work with called Dream Yard in New York. And um, I had heard them recite uh, their own poems. And it made me sure that memorizing poems was no longer old-fashioned. These poems were incredibly long and emotional and intense. There were individual poems and there were group poems. Uh, they were about their inner lives, about issues at home or school or challenges in the community, love, loss, betrayal, fear, domestic violence, justice, friendship, joy, hope. And not only that, they um, were putting their words into action. They had um, done a project where they discovered that the rate of HIV infection in the Bronx was the same as that in Africa. And so they teamed up with the local hospital and they decided to have an open mic event and a poetry night and a pizza party and to offer uh, HIV testing. And they came, they all came, all their friends came, their families came, and so many people were tested that night uh, that it boosted the test rate for the entire district and got additional funding. So I think that's really the power of the word to make this a better world. As adults, we need to surround our kids with words, language, thought, challenges, and ideas. We need to help them find their own voice and use it to advocate for change. Poetry can do that because it teaches us to listen to others, to connect with our deepest feelings, to understand someone else's deepest feelings, and gives us the tools to pursue our dreams. As Wallace even said, Poetry is the imagination pressing back against the pressures of reality. It seems to have something to do with our self-preservation. And that is why the expression of it, the sound of its words, helps us to live our lives. This podcast was presented by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation and made possible by your contributions to the Seattle Public Library Foundation. Thanks for listening.